Ultimate Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And let's get this started with the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan. Hey, listen, uh, I went to the doctor. I asked him if the spots in my chest were uh, chicken pox or measles. He said he never makes rash decisions. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Duff McKagan for making us laugh, as he does each and every week. And thanks to everyone who already got their tickets for Fozzie's upcoming Save the World Tour. We are hitting the road again March 31st, starting off in Detroit, Rock City. We're heading right across the country. Connecticut, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Texas, Nevada, California, Colorado. We're going everywhere, man. Get your tickets at FozzyRock.com. And don't forget about our VIP meet and greet. It's legendary, and it's a lot of fun. We're doing those as well. We play a mini set for you, songs that you won't hear later that night. There are tickets available, VIPs available. Get all of that at FozzyRock.com as we get ready to release our next single in just a few weeks. So keep that in mind as well. And don't forget to get on the mailing list to book a cabin for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea for Leaf Clover. We are now setting sail February 2nd, 2023. We're going to our own private island for the first time ever on the cruise. We've got a killer lineup of talent. You can check it out when you sign up for the mailing list at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right, today on the show, one of the Jackass originals, one of the biggest movie in the country last week, talking about Jackass Forever, and I'm talking about Steve-O. Steve-O is here uh, talking about the brand new movie. Fans love it, critics love it. Uh, Steve says he and the guys had a blast making it. Um, We had some difficulties with the recording. Um, Missed about the first 23 minutes of the conversation. Uh, it's ridiculous that I've done almost 850 episodes and basically forgot to press record, uh, on StreamYard. So I am a human being. I screwed it up in 23 minutes in. I was at a heart attack when I realized we weren't recording. My audio was recording, but his was not. So, um, we are going to kind of, I'm going to give you a little bit of a brief, uh, overview of what Steve said in the first 23 minutes of the conversation, which you did not hear. Uh, and by the way, the last 55 minutes were amazing. He was uh, a talkative guy, so I kept him on a little longer. Of course, I didn't tell him that I didn't uh, press record, <laughs> but uh, I got to be professional, right, at all times. But uh, Steve, uh, once again, we talked about Jackass Forever and uh, how it was the number one movie, which he was very proud of. Uh, he was also talking about how they didn't know if they wanted to come back to do another Jackass because he said he didn't want to be like one of those old movie stars who was holding on too long. He mentioned Buster Keaton and he mentioned mentioned uh, Charlie Chaplin and how those guys did their same stunts when they were in their 50s and 60s and how it was getting a little bit sad to see them do that. He said he did not want Jackass to become a parody of itself. But he also said that uh, bringing in the new blood help them get over that fear. And that's why you see some new people, uh, some new uh, guys on the show, new cast members, because they uh, want to kind of freshen it up. And he said, it's possible that the Jackass franchise could live on forever just by getting new blood in there. He also said that they had so much fun. And I mentioned how everybody laughs whenever they do a stunt. He said they call that the peanut gallery. And that's part of what they do is just make sure no matter what happens, everybody's just howling. Uh, you know about how they do, uh, they do the stunt, and, and if, if if they don't laugh, they don't expect anybody else is going to laugh uh, as well. 
Um, I went and saw the movie with my son Ash, and the one stunt that got us both is when they put a, an enormous queen bee on Steve-O's junk and had thousands of bees join the party on his uh, on his unit. Uh, Steve uh, said that uh, he got stung at least a dozen times, but he said that usually bees are very complacent as long as you don't panic. So he stood there completely naked and let these bees just swarm all over his wiener, and he said they started stinging him especially in his ball region, his ball bag, as soon as they released on him. He said he didn't want to panic because he didn't want to uh, to freak out the rest of the bees. So um, once again, that, that was kind of the, the brief synopsis of everything um, and talking about you know the movie and, and how they had to film it during COVID and they had to stop it and had to start it. But the best part of the conversation is coming up for you right now. Steve-O talking about his worst injuries, his gnarliest stunts and bits, the guy's chemistry, uh, Bam Margera, uh, why he wasn't there, working with director Spike Jones, graduating from the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Clown College and working as a circus clown before Jackass. I never knew that crazy uh illegal stunts he pretty much does for his youtube channel where we first met in wales the new book he has coming out in september called a hard kick in the nuts what i've learned from a lifetime of bad decisions and the bucket list tour which is his latest stand-up comedy tour that he's doing right now steveo.com for all the information and all the tickets all right, let's get to the conversation with Steve-O. We are picking it up with Steve-O explaining how Big Brother Skateboarding Magazine founder Steve Rocco is actually the one responsible for putting the jackass guys together in the first place. He sent this ad for World Industries into the big magazines of skateboarding, which were Thrasher and Transworld. The ad was a just a picture of like a little kid maybe a 12 year old kid holding a gun in his mouth mm-hmm. and it said it said world industries kill yourself and that was just the ad and that was like part of the course for for steve rocco this guy and um what happened was that both thrasher and trans world magazines sent that ad back to steve rocco of world industries they said there's no way we're running that ad in our magazines. And Steve Rocco being the guy who he was, he was like, oh yeah, you don't like that? Well then how about this? He's like, I'm never gonna run any more ads in Thrasher or Transworld. Like, screw you guys, like uh, I'm done with you. I'm gonna start my own magazine. And that was mm-hmm. how Big Brother started. He started Big Brother Magazine like out of that whole situation. And so from its inception, Big Brother Magazine was really like, kind of designed to be a forum for filth that would never be allowed in Thrasher or Transworld. And that was kind of why it was what it was. That was why it was so reckless. It was so crazy. And uh, and that's why it had this, this kind of cult following. And uh, Johnny Knoxville came into the picture, uh, I think in like 1996, he, he came into the picture. He'd been in... Uh, in in california trying to make it as a movie star and it wasn't really kind of panning out he had a kid on the way and he uh you know really wanted to to um kind of get make things happen so he came up with this idea to do a a product review on self-defense equipment where he was going to start off with red pepper spray like point blank sprayed into his eyes and 
and the stun gun, the taser gun. And then he was going to put on a bulletproof vest and shoot himself with a 38 caliber Smith and Wesson handgun. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, he pitched this idea pretty far and wide, like, you know, the Howard Stern show, the late night talk shows, like, uh, all of it. And, and everybody everywhere wanted no part in his self-defense product review, <laughs> except for big brother magazine, which, uh, which he pitched the idea to. And Jeff Tremaine from big brother, uh, said, yeah, dude, we'll do that, but, but, but go ahead and film it too. Because mm -hmm. Big Brother also made skateboarding videos, which kind of, uh, it was like they, uh, the companion to the, all the print issues of the magazine. Right. You know, like every so often a video would come out and you would see the actual footage, like bringing all the photos of the magazine and the stories to life. Right. And, and it, was just, it was just full of crazy crap, man. And Knoxville was in there. Uh, you know, I was in there, Wee Man Pontius. Um, that was what brought us together was Big Brother Magazine. And um, at a certain point, the, the director, Jeff Tremaine, you know, Jeff Tremaine was the editor-in-chief of, of, uh, of Big Brother. Um, after and Steve Rocco sold it to Larry Flint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry Flint bought Big Brother Magazine. Because uh, he, he, he saw it as a real uh, First Amendment thing that, that he was particularly into. And that's when Jeff Tremaine became the editor-in-chief of Big Brother, and they kept making the videos. And the videos got very popular just because they were loaded with such crazy shit. And um, Jeff Tremaine reached out to Spike Jones and, and said, um, you know, man, everybody loves our videos so much, but I really don't think anybody cares about the skateboarding. And I believe if we subtract the skateboarding from the Big Brother videos, then what's left over could be a TV show. Mm. And these guys, uh, Jeff Tremaine and Spike Jones, had known each other since Spike was 12. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> they grew up together in Maryland, and um, they came up through uh, the skateboard industry together. Actually, uh, Spike Jones's very first video project ever was a world industry skateboard video which came out in the 80s and, oh, wow. uh, he wasn't even meant to be a, a video guy he was a spike jones was a photographer for world industries mm -hmm. and uh they, they said about making the skateboard video and they had nobody to put it together and spike <laughs> jones got that video project by default because there was nobody else to do it and so that was uh spike jones's very first video project was a skateboard video for Steve Rocco and uh, Jeff Tremaine was all in the mix and everything. And, and um, Spike liked the idea. So they uh, made a little, you know, video of uh, the craziest, not necessarily the craziest, but the funniest stuff from big brother videos and, and uh, just edited together a little reel, which they mm -hmm. sent to, uh, you know, they, they took a few meetings and, and uh, MTV was very into it. And so that's how Jackass started. And then there was also Bam on the East Coast. He wasn't part of the Big Brother deal. He had his own thing, which was called CKY, and his own little video series. Yeah. And uh, kind of the Big Brother camps, and the Big Brother and CKY, these two separate camps, is sort of you know Big Brother on the West Coast and CKY on the East Coast, kind of uh, merged together and became Jackass. And I never even met Bam until uh, we were... Um, filming the second season of Jackass. Like we all filmed our stuff. All oh, separately. in different places. Right. 
yeah, and it all just kind of came together as this sort of, uh, you know, there, there were not really any like proper ensemble pieces until uh, the second season. So yeah, like, you know, we were, we were already like properly famous before I ever met them. So when this first started, I mean, did you guys have the chemistry right out of the gate of how you were going to put the show together? Because it was huge right out of the bat from what I remember. For sure. Yeah. Within uh, the first two weeks, it was the highest ratings MTV had ever had. Wow. You know, I mean, certainly not for like VMAs or anything, but as far as uh, like half an hour programming that was like, you know, made that way, like. Yeah, we, we set the record for the highest ratings that they'd ever had. And uh, certainly we had the chemistry right away because we all just have that you know same kind of sensibility. The chemistry was there from the start, but what the show was going to look like and, and um, you know, n- nobody knew what the format necessarily was in the beginning. Like when we were shooting the pilot, like, they had Knoxville like interviewing us and like, they didn't know if it was kind of like, looked like some kind of a weird, dumb talk show or, <laughs> right. or what, you know? So Spike was the one who was like, dude, stop trying to make it uh, like special for TV. It's just, it is what it is. It's just a bunch of dumb shit thrown together at bit after bit after bit. Like it doesn't need a desk and a host. Yeah. Great point. You know? Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, we, we didn't know what it was necessarily when we started, but the chemistry was there, and and um, it, it it kind of figured itself out. How was it for you? Because we mentioned how big Jackass was right out of the bat. How was it for you becoming a basically an instant celebrity and being kind of on top of the world so quickly? It it, it was gnarly, man. Like I, before that, I was a circus clown, and wow. I lost. Yeah, I was I was a circus clown uh, at a flea market circus um, when uh, you know when the when the pilot got ordered. I had um, graduated from Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College, which no was kidding. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty big deal. And you being from Tampa, I'm probably like uh, aware of that because it was in Sarasota. Sure. Yeah. yeah of course. Was, yeah. I went to clown college in 1997 and, um, you know, I had various jobs as a circus clown. I went from sort of a drug dealer to a circus clown <laughs> to a guy on MTV. <laughs> and, um, you know, when, uh, when I filmed the first season for Jackass, I was working in the circus, but by the time it came out, I had been fired from that circus and I had been kicked out of uh, my sister's house where I'd been living and uh you know i was mm. broke i was homeless i was unemployed and i and overnight i was like a, a celebrity on the biggest show on mtv and um it, it was pretty wild man i was like quite literally couch surfing as uh you know this mm-hmm. like tidal wave of uh of fame struck me and um you know like i think that anybody who um sort of becomes like famous on any level i think that that there are inherent growing pains mm-hmm. that uh that come with it um i certainly took advantage of uh you know the attention from from the women like that you know like of course i was uh you know definitely i acted out a lot uh with you know with sex and with drugs and 
you know, I like, I think, uh, like, kind of comes with the territory, like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I abused the, the privilege, you know, I, I, I took advantage of, uh, of all the opportunities that came with it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, fortunately, I made it through those growing pains, ultimately, without, uh, blowing anything too bad you know right <laughs> well that's what happens you're a young guy with quick fame and lots of money that goes that way i i had, I had the quick fame the, 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 lots of money was a little bit tougher with the, <laughs> <laughs> the lots of money was a little bit tougher but yeah it it, it came uh slowly but surely like uh the it, it came and i did start like um my own little tour and you know i was like uh yeah, I was able to. I was able to make some money, but I, I certainly wasn't like. Um, it wasn't what people think it, it might be, and and whatever the norm is, it was below that too because we got like uh, notoriously bad deals. <laughs> Let's talk a little about clown college. What exactly do you do at clown college, and what were some of your experiences as a clown? I've never I've never met anybody who went to clown college before. Yeah, it was um, clown college was more like boot camp than mm. uh than college i mean it was uh, an eight-week program it was uh you know a total of two months it was uh, arguably uh much harder to get into clown college than to get through clown college it was um like very uh, you had to audition to even get an application and um you know based on how many applicants there were uh it was statistically harder to get into clown college than harvard like by quite wow. a bit wow yeah only only 33 clowns were accepted and they <laughs> held auditions in 100 different cities to to do it wow and uh they only gave out applications at the auditions so it was the only way you could apply was to audition and um I had dropped out of college to try to uh, become a crazy famous stuntman with my home video camera. I wanted to to you know just film crazy wild shit, and, and uh, I wasn't really finding a lot of success doing that. So when I found out about Clown College, I thought that uh, to graduate from there would would make me a, a a trained circus professional, and that that might help get me some traction and some momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards my goal of, of becoming a, a stuntman. And it, it worked kind of on that level. Certainly the Big Brother magazine people thought it was hilarious that I was this uh, <laughs> you know, alcoholic clown dipshit that set himself on fire all the time. So yeah, it definitely opened doors. You know, um, you know It endeared me to the Big Brother guys. But um, yeah, in clown college, I mean, dude, it was grueling, man. We we trained for like fourteen hours a day. It was like in the gymnasium at eight a.m. Uh, we would have like hour long classes throughout the day in like different subjects, like acrobatics for an hour, and then uh, you know dance for an hour, and you know then like skills, you know, and uh, we even had like some classes in circus history and and. Uh, improv and you know it's like all these different components uh it, it was very interesting and and um and then we would do that until like 6 p.m and then it was uh more like elective stuff where you would work on putting together your act for mm. that week's performance mm. and every week every week uh there was a performance and then ultimately at the end of clown college there was a gala performance which uh the owner of the circus would come to 
and um, select just 10 clowns for, uh, <laughs> you know, for contracts at the circus. So it was a little bit like, I mean, it would have been a killer reality TV show. If sure, had of reality, course. You know, because there was like backstabbing going on, you know, you might like, I wouldn't have been surprised if somebody like unplugged, you know, a, a clown's alarm clocks so that they would sleep, <laughs> like oversleep, like, you know, like they, they, that shit was totally, uh, you know, like it was a competition, you know, it was right. basically like an elimination show, you know, only 10 of us were going to get contracts. So, um, I was not one of the clowns that got a contract. And uh, then, yeah, by the time I I'd, I'd graduated, it, 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 I was a little bit heartbroken. I had, I had really, all I wanted to do was further my goal of becoming a crazy stuntman. But by the end of it, I had uh, sort of fallen in love with the idea. Of that, yeah. And um, yeah, so anyways, I did other jobs. I worked as a clown on cruise ships after that. Then I worked as a clown <laughs> in, the, in the flea market. Um, I had a little bit of a clown career. Let me ask you this, though, because you mentioned, you know, talking about uh, being a clown, which is obviously very outgoing and fearless. Being a skateboarder is very fearless. How did you, when you start getting on Jackass, and we'll talk about some of your gnarliest stunts that you've done, do you just put that out of your mind and just go for it? Is there ever any doubts in some of the things that you're doing where you kind of freak yourself out? I mean, yeah, for sure, dude. There's, uh, I mean, you're always going to be nervous about putting yourself in harm's way. like, And I think that, it would be very, very inaccurate to uh, to say that the, the jackass guys were fearless. And right. I think that what make what what makes um, jackass compelling is that there's not really anything particularly special about us. You know, we're not like super like we don't have like high thresholds for pain. You know, we don't right. have uh, you know we're we're not even like. You know, like we're very, very afraid when we're when we're doing what we're doing, and I think that that's what makes it entertaining is because you can see the fear, you know, you can see the reactions. But yeah, I think that's kind of like a little bit special about us that there's, that we're just kind of like the everyman. If there's anything that sets us apart, I would say that uh, you know we're pretty comfortable. We're not like trying to look cool, you know. We're mm -hmm. not like. And we're like we're okay with, with we're okay with looking uncool, and I think that that's <laughs> that's kind of endearing in its own way. But uh, but yeah, as far as just going for it, and and uh, it's not easy to go for heavy gnarly stunts, and it's certainly not getting any easier at this age. But uh, but yeah, I think that that what makes it possible for us to go through with all the the tougher stuff is just the extent to which we crave attention. You know, like, <laughs> right. Like if we, if we have a, if we have a professional title, I call it attention whore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you, we, we, we talk, you mentioned, we talked about the, the, the bees, uh, on your, on your dick. I mean, it's, it's, you gotta be fearless because this is the most sensitive part of your body. You know what I mean? Like you're going to punch me in the shoulder or whatever, but this is different and you're completely wide open. They, and just to, to just to reiterate this, they put the queen bee onto your unit, and then they're asking the other bees and forcing them to come. Th like you, you mentioned, you got to be calm for that. But how calm can you be when your unit is exposed? I I, I was trying to be calm, and, and and like anybody who saw the movie, 
you know, like they, they, that was not an image of a guy of a fearless guy, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so there, there's not there's nothing fearless about it. It's just like that's just the extent to which uh, I think my 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 uh, my urge for attention seeking is just that much stronger than uh, my self-preservation instinct. <laughs> Did you look down to see that whole bushel of bees on, on you? Yeah, I, I can see I can see what was going on for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's so, that's the one to me where I was just like, ah. So I, I actually uh, I wrote down and pulled some of your gnarliest stunts out um, just to ask you about a few of them. Uh, one of the classic ones was 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 the human shark bait. Obviously, when you <laughs> pierced the cheek with the hook, like, kind of tell us about that one and how, and how, because that, that that one up there still reminds me uh, just how nuts this whole thing is. Yeah, I mean that's what what you uh, what our director calls a ready to die bit. Right, exactly. Like you can only do that. Like like by 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 definition, when you do that, you're saying that you're ready to die. And um, that was arguably one of the closer calls I had with, uh, you know, actually potentially dying because um, here, you know, the, the, the end of that scene, I'm, you know, I've got the fish hooks through my face and, and um, you know, there, there's a, what, what's attracting the sharks is, is this guy, Manny Puig, who's sort of a legendary, uh, you know, apex predator expert he's got the long hair the shark teeth around he like lifts alligators out of the swamp he rides sharks around on the ocean he's just this crazy tarzan guy <laughs> and um manny was in the water you know with a, a big knife he's treading water he's holding you know barracuda fish and just hacking them up like to to chum up the water to attract the sharks and um, you know, Manny's just generally like pretty comfortable about everything, and and, and I've got this sense of uh, of comfort. I almost consider Manny Puig to be like my force field. You know, like nothing bad mm. can happen if Manny's around. Is just this uh, this feeling that I always had. But um, as I was swimming with the the fish hook and Manny's chumming, like Manny saw, I, I didn't even have my head underneath the water. I was just like, you know, kind of treading water. And, and Manny saw this, this Mako shark and Mako sharks are like particularly aggressive sharks. Like they're, they're, they're of the scarier variety. And um, Manny saw the Mako shark going for me. And, and Manny freaked out, which is really scary. You know, Manny, mm. like, as he was treading water, hacking up the trucks, I heard, steve watch out. You know, steve watch out. I, I heard Manny say that. And so that made me jerk. Like, I jerk, and I'm, like, kicking and you know, to swim away and try, try and get out of the water. And in that jerking motion, I inadvertently kicked the Mako shark. Oh, wow. Like, you know, I, I, I kicked the shark, like, kind of in the head, you know, and, and the reason that its head was in that proximity to my foot, arguably, was that it was going for my foot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, kicking it was this, like, I was reacting to Manny saying, steve watch out. And I kicked the shark. And, uh, you know, that was like the this crazy close call moment that was right captured on camera. And, um, you know, all these years later, I don't know how many years later, but uh, at some point, down the line, I, I asked our director, Jeff Tremaine, I said, hey, man, like, if that shark did bite my foot, 
like we were two hours from shore. Right. And, and, you know, and, and, and at that, we were two hours from the shore of Hurricane Katrina devastated Louisiana. This was February of 2006. Right. That we were shooting that. Like, uh, what the f- was the plan? <laughs> you know, like what, what was, what were we going to do if I got bit? Right. And, uh, and, and Jeff Tremaine actually said, we didn't have a plan. We got God. <laughs> and you know, and I brought this up with Knoxville uh, on my podcast. I told him that, and I was like, you know, it, it's such an absurd thing to say. Like we've got God, but like if you look at all of our history with the oh, things yeah. that we've gotten away with and everything, like it's almost impossible not to lend something to that. You know, oh, to yeah. the idea that there's like a network of guardian angels looking after us, you know, like protecting us. And uh, it's an interesting thing. But yeah, that was, that was a, that was a ready to die bit for sure. Is there, has there been any other ready to die stunts that you've done? I mean, shoot, like we had that show wild boys, which uh, there, you know, there was anytime you're messing around with big cats with, Mm -hmm. you know, venomous reptiles with, uh, you know, bears there was a lot of that. And then, you know, every once in a while people will, uh, Oh, you know, like I'm actually going to make a video called times I could have died. And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very wild boys heavy from the, the TV show that we made way back in the day. Mm-hmm. We made this nature show called wild boys. And there was a lot of, uh, shenanigans with apex predators, but it wasn't even filming for wild boys. There was one where, um, we were filming a Nintendo commercial and they had me up in a tree and there was, they, they had like chicken, like tied to the tree or some, they wanted me like out on this limb of the tree with my legs dangling down. They wanted like these two African lions, like jumping up and like clawing and just barely missing my, uh, right. my feet. And that was like the shot that they were out to get, you know? And, and um, and so, like, I I climb up the tree. They haven't brought the lions in yet. But the tree, they, I remember the director said, what, like, uh, somebody said, I, I said, I asked, I was like, I was like, what's to stop the lions from climbing up this tree? You know, like, uh, like why is the lions not going to climb up the tree and kill me? Right. And, uh, and, and the, the animal expert on the set, he said, oh, Lions don't climb trees, you know, like, yeah, lions don't climb trees. And then the director boards the tree and goes, that is a pretty mellow tree, though. <laughs> and, and, then, and then they bring in the lions, they bring in the lions, they say action. The first thing the lion does is climb right up the tree. No. And I'm like, yeah, it climbs right up the tree. And it's like right on me. And I like, I, I thought that I was actually in that moment. I thought that it was done, you know? Right. Like I, I almost, I just kind of went limp and I was, it's like I just resigned myself to that being the end. <laughs> and all I can say is that I was like, I was like, I was like, good kitty. Good, I just kept saying, good, good, good kitty. <laughs> and, and that was like, uh, that was probably the hairiest moment ever. Like, uh, <laughs> You got people screaming like, oh, "Get the ladder! Get the ladder!" Like you know, like, and uh, you know, it looked a little bit. At the end of the day, it looked a little bit like a love fest. But the lion was like over my back, you know, like, 
Yeah, it was nuts, man. Well, see, that's the thing, too, the difference between the animals. Like, you're talking about a shark in the ocean. You're talking about a, a lion climbing a tree. Those are, are very dangerous, uh, you know, moments. The bees on your on your, on your your dick. The bees is minor. I mean, you got to get stung like 99 times to die from. Which were the ones that were kind of the most disgusting to do? If you even have that, because it seems like you're up for almost anything. Yeah, I mean, the sweatsuit was pretty bad. The porta potty with all the poo in it was pretty gross. Let's talk about that one because that's pretty that that's pretty gnarly. Even just doing that stunt, if there was no poo in it, yeah, for sure. What was most notable about that one for me is that um, they have like OSHA. Was it like occupational safety? Some some like some, like uh, <laughs> this company's this like organization that makes rules about like safety on the set. And uh, OSHA has has a rule that you're not allowed to like uh, like come into much contact with human excrement. So that 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 like was a wrinkle for the porta potty stunt. <laughs> um, but 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 uh, b- believe it or not, they in order to satisfy the OSHA thing, there was, there was no rule against interacting with dog poop. Okay. So they they were able to find a company which would sell so you could buy as much dog shit as you wanted. And the name of the company was <laughs> We Do Do Do. <laughs> and they that they that they literally bought like enough dog shit to fill up the, the porta potty like multiple times because they were ready to do it more than once. Thankfully right, it was uh, right. Thankfully, it was a one and done. But um, but yeah, so it was filled with dog shit. It, you know, it was super gross. And uh, you know, other than like you know the the dog shit, I think it was really reasonably pretty safe. I had a five point harness. Like everything was rigged. Pretty. I mean, it looked cool. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't classify that as a particularly dangerous one. Well, I'm not dangerous, but but they're putting you on like the reverse, like the rubber band at the fair, and shooting you straight up in the air. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and then- it's genius too. I know that that idea began as uh, it was supposed to be thrown off a bridge, but then they changed it to a to this catapult situation, which was really genius because by sending it up, then at its peak. Of, you know, at the very top of the of the launch, and then when it starts, then you've got the poo coming out at the top, as opposed to <laughs> off the bridge, it would just be kind of a a, a mess. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 was that was crucial, man. I'm sure you've had quite a few injuries. What's what's like some of the injuries that you've had from doing all these stunts? Because you mentioned you're not, you know, you're not invincible. Oh, dude, I, I've been getting hurt more badly, and all my worst injuries are in the last five years. Filming Jackass forever. I uh, snapped my collarbone, and I, now I got two plates in my Oof. collarbone. How did you do that? It, it didn't even make the movie. I was being oh. towed behind a horse, like uh, I was riding on a wakeboard behind a horse, being towed, and and, and there was a, a ramp that I was supposed to ride up the ramp and across all these barrels, mm. but I just kept whipping out and letting go of the rope, and uh, and I let go of the rope and bounced off the ramp on my collarbone. Oh, gotcha. And uh, kind of flipped over and, and it snapped. Um, and I just got, fairly recently, I just got hardware out of my ankle. I did, uh, you know, 
had a plate and like 11 screws in my ankle from uh, something I was just doing for YouTube. I was uh, jumping a skateboard off a porta potty while uh, my buddy Danny Way crashed a car through the porta potty. And um, it was just like, it, it was just too tall. It was, you know, I was jumping from like eight feet in the air with like no momentum. No, normally right. it's moving like that. I was just yeah. straight down. Just fell and, off. Uh, yeah, I, sh- I sh- shattered my ankle on that one. Oh. And uh, the other, the other worst one was, uh, with, I, I had third degree burns on fifteen percent of my body from uh, a stunt that I did for for my second comedy special. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Uh, I was, it was like an idea. Like we were just blowing up my living room and doing all these crazy <laughs> explosion stunts, and and. Um, I, at the end of it, I like we poured rocket engine fuel all over the living room floor, and I laid in it and did snow angels like while they lit it. And uh, laying in a bed of rocket engine fuel while my buddy lit it was uh, that was too much, man. I, like I, I I I messed up on that one. Is it harder to do the stunts now that you're sober than it when it was when you were uh, when you were on substances? I mean, I suppose, but not really, man. You know, like. Taking away drugs and alcohol doesn't make me any less of an attention whore, <laughs> you know. And like, right. maybe, maybe to some extent, like, uh, maybe to some. But if there is any extent to which it was more difficult to do stunts sober, like what what uh, compensated for that was my desire to prove that I still had that in me, you know. Mm. Like I, I like had a little kind of thing in my head, like, oh man, like I can't let anybody think sobriety turned me into a pussy, you know? So right, like, right. I would I got push you. myself a little bit harder to make up for that, I think. As we start to wind down here, you, you are going, or you are on tour, about to go on tour with, with your comedy show. So kind of talk about that and how that is going on the road and the stuff that you, that you talk about when you're... Yeah, I mean, like uh, you and I met for the first time in, uh, was it Wales or... Wales, yeah. Yeah, Cardiff. Maybe, it was, I'm not, it was somewhere in the UK. It was Wales for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That like that was way back in 2011. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to say, and uh, you know, I, I was doing stand up, but you know, I, I started touring doing stand up in 2010, and um, you know, I, I just was grinding it out for the longest time, and over the course of the last uh, you know 12 years, gradually my. Uh, my my comedy like i did my first stand-up comedy special and it was very much uh you know just me and a microphone you know Mm -hmm. i did i did stunts on the stage intermittently throughout the special but there it was just what happened on the stage and then um when when, when i put together my second hour and uh and i I made my second comedy special by that point uh, I made it into a multimedia project, but the but the the stunts that I filmed for it and and the footage that I included throughout was all added in in post production. Mm-hmm. And then you know, and when I set about putting together my third touring show, which is the one I'm doing now, it's called The Bucket List. That one, um, I, I wanted to make it. Uh, I didn't want to live on like live in the past anymore. You know, I felt like right. I, like my, my comedy up to that point had been an exercise in sort of regaling all the craziest stuff in my past. And mm-hmm. that started to feel like it was getting a bit depressing. 
Right. Uh, and, I, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do all new stuff and like make, make all the, the, the comedy about like new stuff. And I wanted to bring uh, the, the multimedia component on tour with me. So I, I set about like filming what I called my bucket list stunts, which is just like these ideas that I had been sitting on for, for the longest time, but never really ever expected to go through with, you know, like, mm -hmm. like super, super, like, like a lot of it's just flagrantly illegal. Like I had a, a, um, a medical professional in disguise administer general anesthesia drugs into an IV in my arm while I was hauling ass on a bicycle, you know, like, which uh, is so like, it's so ambitious. It's so illegal. It's right. so sketchy. Everything about that was just deliciously over the top, you know, and that's like part of the course for what I did for this new tour. I had uh, another idea for skydiving. I, I said that uh, if I ever went skydiving, I would be butt naked with uh, the tandem guy strapped to my back. And I would be in the airplane, like, furiously masturbating and time it so that, like, I simultaneously <laughs> fall out of the plane as I'm blowing a load everywhere. <laughs> and... Uh, that I did that for my bucket list. I had another one like I wanted to uh like I heard a joke when I was a little kid. It was um what's the definition of macho? It's a man who jogs home from his own vasectomy. Oh. And uh and and I, and I, I like I always wanted to be macho and I, I was like, dude, that was just an idea that I had <laughs> since I was a kid. Like it's like I'm gonna get a vasectomy and do like way more than just jog. And I called it the vasectomy Olympics. And uh, so I, I did that for the bucket list. Like everything I did for the bucket list is like the next level of insanity. And um, and I made this crazy show out of it where like, you know, I, I, I walk you through the the list, like, uh, and, and particularly the implications of, um, of going through with these stunts on my uh, relationship with my fiance. Which is which is kind of uh, you know over the top as well. And then throughout the show, after each bit, I screen the footage of uh, of the stunt happening. So, okay. like the actual show itself is is multimedia. And the footage that I screen in the show is so up that in in the majority of the cities we go to, like during the show, like like we'll have full grown men passing out in their seats. <laughs> Ah, nice. <laughs> like, I mean, they, we, we get we get about like, you know, about one or two dudes in like almost every city, <laughs> and it's 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 crazy. I've never heard about anybody fainting from watching a Jackass movie, and uh, and and they're absolutely fainting in their seats. What what you know? <laughs> I mean, they, they 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 wake up and everybody's okay. So you know, while it's creepy, it's uh, you know, no, nothing bad has happened. But uh, man, is that awesome to be able to say that, <laughs> you know, I finally made something so crazy that people are fainting when they watch it. <laughs> did you, you mentioned did this something that's so highly illegal. Was there ever any stunts that you did either on Jackass or on your own that got shut down by the cops going, absolutely not. You're not doing this. Uh, I mean, when I climbed up the crane with the, the inflatable killer whale trying to protest SeaWorld, that was, <laughs> I've been arrested a lot. <laughs> 
I've had, I've had, I've had uh, a lot of arrests. I know that like on, uh, on, on filming for Jackass, cops got involved. I mean, uh, quite a few times there was, um, you know, they went to like the car wash and they had like all hair and blood all over the car. Like, so, you know, oh, yeah, like, yeah. They, they, they like, Knox had a little bit of an obsession with fake blood for a while and that got the cops involved more than once. Gotcha. They thought it was real, right? Yeah. Yeah. So last few things you, you mentioned for Jackass Forever that now as you guys are getting older, you don't want to ever, it, ever for it to be uh, tragic or pathetic. Uh, but the movie is another huge hit. Number one movie in America, like we said. Do you think you would ever uh, consider doing another one? Uh, maybe as older guys? I uh, Now that they've introduced, um, you know, fresher, younger talent to the mix, I got to believe that that's uh, an exercise in, in breathing life and, and uh, future ah into the franchise i mean i don't know i know that there are no immediate plans for uh making another one um but i certainly wouldn't be surprised if uh if that was the move to bring in even more you know new people and you know and again it's what i said before like uh it's so important to me that uh i do it because i want to and not because i have to and i and i've really uh carved out that situation for myself i'm very fortunate that um i'm perfectly fine if there's never any more jackass ever again and you know i'm, I'm even better if there is so uh, I'm, I'm good to go either way well and because you've done a great job in, in diversifying yourself with all the different things that you do uh which is the way to yeah, be definitely man. you know I've definitely hustled man I, as have you man with us yes sir you know yes, like sir. you you had the wrestling and then the music and I had the jackass and then the comedy and uh, we're both prolific hustlers, man. <laughs> with, all, with, with all your books, man. I, I just finished my second book. It nice. Came out September. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm dying. And like my first book was a New York Times bestseller and I'm dying to do whatever it takes to get my second book to be number one New York Times bestseller. So it's, it's just continue, continuing on the experiences that you've had over the past few years? It's it's not. Like everybody uh, strongly urged me or they advised me not to try to make a memoir part two. Mm. You know, they, they really wanted, they said it's important to have an angle on it. So uh, I went with, um, you know, I, said, I told the literary agent and my, and my co-author, I said, hey, you know, for what it's worth, uh, my new bucket list tour starts off, you know, my first joke is I say, I'm in a terrible situation. I'm Steve-O in my 40s. And I'm like, that always gets a big laugh, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like, like a book about confronting middle age, you know, mm -hmm. and even if it was like uh sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek guide to middle age and mm -hmm. um that's what we landed on that's and great. Uh, i mean sure enough it was a vehicle for me to like just unload all the crazy that's gone on in my life you know since the last book came out and uh you know i'd have it no other way but it's framed as uh it's called a hard kick in the nuts what I've learned from a lifetime of terrible decisions. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm imparting, uh, imparting my, the wisdom gleaned from, uh, you know, all of my, uh, exploits with, with, uh, you know, everything that's crazy. And, you know, it's, 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 it's comedy. It's serious. It's like, 
it's everything kind of mixed into one. And, and man, it's, it's such a good book. I really want it to be number one. I, I will definitely promote it when it comes out because I, I love your stories. You're always a, a, a great talker, great storyteller. Last question for you. Uh, it's a two-parter, one that I have to answer, one that you have to answer. Your favorite stunt that you've ever done, if there could be one, if a stunt was on a tombstone, and I'll tell you what mine is, uh, is, is the jellyfish sombrero, which is so ridiculous. I need you to tell me a little bit about that because this thing was huge, and I've been stung by a jellyfish before, and it hurts like a mother. Uh, so that's mine. And then, so tell me about that, and then tell me yours. Dude, I, I, I'm so, uh, like, so grateful and so proud for, for you to say that because that was just something that I filmed on my own for my YouTube channel, you know? Oh, wow. and, okay. and I really, you know, I, I, I'll have people, uh, you know, over the years, like, you know, people, of course, you know, they'll, they'll come up and say, oh man, like, uh, I love, I love the Jackass movies. I love you and Jackass. And that's always cool to hear. But whenever anybody comes up and says, man, I really uh, love your YouTube content, you know, or I really love your podcast. Like that's right. so much more meaning. That's so much more meaningful to me because uh, that's like somebody who's, who's paying attention and somebody who um, is aware of like what's going on currently, you know? And um, right. for you to for you to point to the jellyfish sombrero, which was uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a, I think it remains the the most viewed video I've ever put on YouTube. Um, and so uh, ridiculous. It, it's it's it, it was ridiculous for sure, and <laughs> it's crazy. Like the, 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 there was an idea, and I pitched it for, for you know a number of times that with like a, a man of war or a box right. jelly, you know, I was like, Oh, let's be gnarly. Let's, you know, and, um, I think the general consensus is that man of wars and box jellyfish, that that's just like too much, you know, that that's pushing it too far. It's kind yeah, of yeah. like going up to a rattle, like a rattlesnake. And, and uh, the, the jellyfish sombrero, I believe that the, the species of jellyfish is called a, is a moon jelly. And um, moon jelly is not a box jelly. It's not like uh, particularly, it's not particularly dangerous. And uh, I mean, yeah, it hurt. It hurt, right. but um, it hurt like a mother fact, but it didn't hurt for long and it didn't do like real damage. And and with all the stunts, you know, there's some stunts that uh, are so gnarly and don't look like anything. You know, there was one the one I did where um, I jumped out of a, a, a what was it called a sea glider like this this like water world airplane it was like a hang glider with a propeller right and uh, you know it was like probably like forty feet above the ocean going probably like forty miles an hour <laughs> and uh, I jumped out of it and dude that was like the, the most brutal slam ever knocked the wind out of me oh, I was yeah. just like thought I had like internal like damage and uh i considered that the gnarliest most epic thing i'd ever done i showed it to my dad he's like oh, i didn't doesn't look like anything you know like <laughs> underwhelming and, and my dad's right too because anytime i ever posted that footage on social media it doesn't engage you know right. and here it was the most brutal thing and it just doesn't so some things look gnarly and they're not that gnarly some things are really gnarly. They don't look gnarly. Right. And the jellyfish sombrero on that cost benefit, you know, it's like all the benefit and it really wasn't that gnarly. 
<laughs> okay, so it didn't like sting you in tentacles and everything. I mean, uh, they, they, the ones that were on the beach were uh, dead, and so there wasn't much that happened there. And then the one in the water stung the fuck out of me. But, yeah, uh, you know, but it didn't do much damage, and it went away pretty quick. What's your favorite stunt you've ever done? I mean, dude, like, you know, clearly I love that jumping out of the airplane with no parachute into the ocean, but it didn't resonate with that. Right. <laughs> it, didn't, it, it, did, it didn't hit the mark that much. I mean, uh, like a, a big one that I did recently, and I did it for my bucket list tour, because I wasn't happy with the general anesthesia on the bike. And uh, somebody told me that they said, uh, I have a way that you can finish your anesthesia bit without worrying about your sobriety. And that what they were talking about was uh, putting a four inch needle into my spine Oof. and injecting a drug into my spinal cavity, which would paralyze me. And, and that they're like, a, that I would become paralyzed while in the midst of a full sprint. And, um, wow. That one, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> That's about as high level as it gets, you know, as far as like illegal, sketchy, life threatening, like, you know, like hilarious. But that checked every box, man. And uh, that, that was every bit as gnarly and looked every bit as gnarly. I'm going to go with the spinal tap. <laughs> that was, like and, uh, and everyone can see it on my bucket list tour, too. Yeah, Joe, I collapsed like a baby giraffe being born while I was running here. It was. Uh, well dude uh, <laughs> dude great talking with you man and congratulations on all your success and congratulations that you're still with us and have all your faculties after all the crazy shit you've done yeah tell me about it man i'm in, i'm as shocked as you are brother and uh you know, <laughs> go us man like you know it's it's uh i remember when i had you on my podcast it was just really rad man like we were talking about how here we are like old man like with yeah. own, like we're we're, we're old and, and we're not just still getting away with it but we're thriving man and that's uh, right man you know like i i really respect your hustle i respect your evolution and uh you know i'm, I'm glad to call you a bro man it was uh it was a no-brainer to do this with you it's uh it's been, it's been an honor it's been a pleasure i appreciate that man let's do more shit together in the future absolutely yeah for sure and say what's up to my homeboy mike calta i will i will for sure man Thanks, right Steve. Talk to you, brother. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks to Steve-O. Go see Jackass Forever this weekend. Number one movie in the country. And check out Steve-O on the Bucket List Tour. Something's going to be very fun. He's on the road now. You can get tickets at steveo.com. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Wednesday.